What's up, founders, and welcome back to the In Demand Podcast, where we talk all about how to reach your very first 1 million in ARR. I'm your host, Asia Arangio, and I'm the founder of Demand Maven, where we work with early stage SaaS companies on reaching their very first growth milestones. Let's do this. All right. I'm super pumped to talk about this particular topic because it is something that comes up all the time. Just all, just always. <laughs> Every single time I talk to a founder about their ideas, about the projects they want to execute, prioritize, and do, it ultimately ends up coming down to the fundamental question, which is, Asia, I have all of these ideas how do I actually prioritize them? Which ones should ultimately come first? And this is where I would say it depends on the stage of the growth process you're in. So for example, if you are early stage versus maybe you're in a traction stage, like your series B or series C, and you've got these really big growth idea and projects to execute versus maybe some others where they're much smaller, but you have fewer resources, Gonna, it's going to vary. However, there's certainly some frameworks that we're, of course, going to talk about and just some really quick and dirty tips and tricks. And then, of course, just, you know, my hot take when it comes to how to prioritize those ideas based off of where you're at in your journey. All right, let's go. <laughs> First of all, it completely makes sense. Growth is extremely overwhelming, even for me sometimes. Growth is one of those things where it is my job to think about. It's it's my job to really brainstorm, to plan, to measure, and to really, really understand what are the growth levers that are available to us and which ones do we pull at which times. There's also just a billion ideas all the time. And especially as CEO, as founder, as team leader, you are constantly getting exposed to all kinds of different tactics and strategies and practices and opportunities that can help you and others that might slow you down, (laughs) just depending on your approach. Part of our job as strategists is to really figure out which ones are the ones that are going to help us accomplish our goals, generate revenue, build an incredible team, whatever it is that you are trying to achieve. So I'm going to start by breaking out two really fundamental concepts when it comes to prioritizing specifically for growth. And this is really just based off of my own personal experience. The first aspect of this is going to be short-term and long-term prioritization. So how do we prioritize growth ideas for the near term? So within the next three to six months versus long term, six months and beyond. And then the other facet of this is the stage of growth that you're currently in. Whether you are very early stage, maybe you are still really honing in or solidifying product market fit. Maybe you've achieved a certain level of product market fit within a, within a part of the market, but now we need to move into traction. And then, of course, maybe you're in the traction phase. You are you are growing very, um, maybe very fast, but it might not be efficient. It might actually be very wasteful growth. It could also be growth in other ways that are more than just revenue, which is growing the team or identifying other market opportunities. So with these two aspects of growth combined, it adds it adds a few different layers. And there's certainly tools and tricks and things that we can do and use in any of these scenarios. 
But I just wanted to give you just the overarching mindset, if you will, that you should be in if you're in one or more of these buckets. So if you're coming to this from a place of, I've got a bunch of ideas and I don't really know how to prioritize them, or we have a bunch of projects, but we don't know which ones should ultimately come first. The first spectrum, if you will, that I'll give you is what's short-term versus what's what's long-term. And the trick here is you're going to need a balance of both. It's a very common oversight to focus too much on short-term project prioritization. So we're going to we're going to do all of the growth activities that only give us short-term results versus prioritizing the ones that are long-term. And more often than not, most CEOs and founders will prioritize short-term projects. And not always to their detriment, but sometimes to their detriment, where they don't have enough long-term projects going on that carry the short-term projects through the next few years even. A common classic example of this is focusing on short-term which would be, let's say, marketing-wise, we're going to spin up ads. We want to spin up ads. That's one of our growth ideas. We're going to do paid advertising. It's like, okay, great. That's a short term. Long term, however, we're going to, as, as we do paid acquisition, we're going to use that to learn about organic search, SEO, and content marketing. Except what ends up happening is you start the short-term projects, but you never prioritize the long-term ones. And that's kind of where a lot of businesses get in trouble. They start the short-term projects and then never add long-term ones to their weekly and monthly cadences or sprints. And then six months, a year later, they've got no traffic except for what they pay for. And then now they've got to figure out, okay, well, how do we suddenly get organic traffic? (laughs) I laugh, but it's common. It's really common. It's really, really, really common. And SEO versus paid advertising and organic search, like that's just one example. There's countless others. So that's one framework or mindset to be in is how much of what's on your plate growth-wise? How much of that is short-term versus long-term? And what are some of the other implications that require those things? Do we need to focus on the short-term because we have to, because we don't have a whole lot of runway? Okay, that's the case. Then that already changes or influences what our short-term projects might be. Or do we have runway? Do we have time? Is that something that we have available to us? Because that means that we can do both in some cases, and we should prioritize both. There, You'll need a balance of both in order to ensure that you get the best bang for anything that you do. Too many short-term projects, you might risk burning out, not getting the results you need. And then, of course, you end up working a lot harder, not necessarily smarter. And then too many long-term projects, and you might not see the short-term spikes that give you the confidence that you're headed in the right direction in the first place. It's possible. It happens. It's also normal, I would say. But ideally, you want to get a balance. Balance is key here. The second has much more to do with the phase of growth that you're currently in. And a lot of this has to do with the stage of the business. We always want to be respectful of where we're at in the process and in the cycle of growing the business. Again, you could be very early stage, very early on. And growth projects early on, a lot of it is very tactical. And at the same exact time, there are some strategic projects that happen at that phase. But execution is usually pretty critical. And being able to execute and being unblocked, pretty important. 
I find when it comes to prioritization, because so many of the growth projects are very highly tactical, there's very rarely any dependency, meaning a lot of it can be done async with other projects. Sometimes not always, you know, not always. That's, uh, I hate to say that's definitely just like the blanket rule. But usually in the early days, the ability to execute and execute fast is usually far more important. And then, of course, layering on some really strategic plays that are vetted and that are very well thought out and designed. It's usually much more important. When you get to the later stages of growth, you get to more traction stages and then just high growth growth. We start looking at much more strategic plays, I find. It's far more important to have more strategically aligned projects. And you usually are able to execute. It's much more about how do we really steer the ship and make sure that all of our ships are pointing in the same direction. It becomes much more about leading and guiding the teams. And then also when prioritizing projects, it also just becomes about ensuring that everyone's enabled, aligned, focused, and incentivized to accomplish the projects. It's a very different flavor. Here is where I would say prioritization frameworks are incredibly helpful and order definitely does tend to matter for the most part. That's not to say, however, that frameworks, prioritization-wise at least, aren't going to be helpful regardless. In fact, I actually find that a lot of founders, especially if it's just them in the business, prioritization frameworks help a lot. It helps make it pretty clear what to do next. And the cool part is that there's usually very little dependency, whereas with a larger business, a larger company, a much more mature growth cycle or growth phase, there's a lot more dependency. And that's where it gets a little bit trickier. So those are the two aspects or mindsets, if you will, that you might be in at any given time. And they're not mutually exclusive. So with that context, we're going to dig into a few of my favorite frameworks that we use to prioritize projects. The first is one that I use all the time. And this one was actually recommended by Sean Ellis of Hacking Growth. A great read, a wonderful book, highly recommend it. And it is called ICE. It's Impact, Confidence, and Ease. I want you to imagine a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet of with a list and one column of all of the different growth ideas that you have. And in the next three columns over, you've got one column for impact, one column for confidence, one column for ease. And then the last column is going to be the average of, of those three numbers. Eyes can be used on a scale of one to five. It can be used on a scale of one to 10. I prefer one to five. It keeps it much more simple, maybe a little bit less nebulous of going from one to 10. You might find that one to 10 is better for you and your team. One to five might also be better for you as well, might be simpler. But on a scale of one to five, you'll give every single idea a score according to the impact of it, the ease of it, and then of course your confidence level. And then after that, you'll take the average of those three numbers. Let's break down impact, confidence, and ease. So impact really refers to what is the impact of this particular idea? It doesn't have a direct impact on what it is that we're hoping to accomplish for the year, the quarter, for the business. Does it have impact? This is going to move the needle. And we give it a score of one to five. Five, ideally at least, being the absolute highest. So this is going to have a huge impact all the way down to one or even zero, which is actually very little impact. The confidence 
Are we confident this is going to work? Now, I love this one because sometimes growth projects are actually experiments and we need to honor the experiment. <laughs> so if we're not really confident it's going to work, it's an experiment. It's a, it's, it's a, I hate to say it's a test, but it's a test. It's a te- like we don't necessarily know. We'll have to experiment with it. We have a hypothesis. We're pretty confident about the hypothesis maybe, but we don't necessarily, it's not a guaranteed done deal. So if we have really high confidence it's going to work, then we put a higher score. If we have less confidence it's going to work, put a less or a lower score. And then finally, ease. How easy is this for us to execute? Do we have the resources, the skills, the team, the people, the tools, et cetera, the knowledge even to execute this? Is this going to be easy for us? Sometimes content marketing, and I I think of content marketing specifically because a lot of technical founders really have challenges with creating content regularly. It's not easy for them. They're confident it'll work. It's going to have really high impact, but the ease is so low. And so then the average of that idea ends up actually kind of being a little bit lower. And this is one of those this is one of those situations where depending on the framework or the mindset that you're in, if you need short-term or you need long-term goals or projects, then you might put content marketing in the long-term bucket, but you have to overcome the ease part. This is how an average can certainly help really highlight some things about how you think about certain projects. And then also what stage you're in can also impact how you think about it. In a short-term world, content marketing might seem like overkill. And then in a long-term world, content marketing is clearly the way to go. So we probably need to figure out how to overcome the ease aspect of it. Another similar framework, this is one that I've actually developed internally. This is one that I use at Demand Maven for client projects. Impact, risk, and control. So a very... A very similar framework. And this one is much more about minimizing certain risky projects. Not minimizing in terms of like we're not doing them, but just much more minimizing the impact of them. So if there's going to be a project that we're going to put up on the list of ideas that is actually really risky for us to do, it's important to acknowledge that. And this, I would say this is much more relevant to SaaS companies in industries where they might need to take risks, but it's uncomfortable. And so impactors can control. Again, it's not for definitely not for everyone, but this can also be helpful. Similar situation to ICE. Will this have a big impact? Is it risky? How what is what is really risky to us? Five would be not really risky at all. Whereas one would be incredibly risky. <laughs> like maybe let's reconsider this. <laughs> And then control. How in control of this are we? Are we in control of how much, to what degree do we control like this particular activity or project? And this one might be kind of a weird one to list, but there are some projects or ideas where we really don't have a whole lot of control over the outcome. And that is where we have to be careful. An example of this was actually when that recently happened in a client project where the client really wanted to launch new pricing. And the new pricing was going to have a pretty big impact for a very small amount of customers, but it was going to be a change regardless across many different customer accounts. And there were some particular client accounts where the price was going to rise significantly. And I think that there were only like five or 10 of these but it was a very, it was a, it was definitely 
risky, unless, of course, we got information that made us feel like it wouldn't. It would absolutely have a high. It would have a high impact on growth in general. Raising the prices and raising the the pricing plans and and changing those, adjusting those, was absolutely going to have an impact on growth. It was very obvious. Where it was a little tricky was the control aspect of it. Well, we weren't necessarily in control of how these customers were going to react to changing these plans. It was also during 2020 COVID pandemic year. And it was it was very, very likely that we could lose some customers, maybe more than what we were hoping to gain. And so the risk was, I would say, relatively high. And then the control was relatively high. So in this case, I'd, I'd give it lower scores. You know, a high control score in this case would be, oh, well, we're super in control of what happens after. In this case, I would actually say we were closer maybe to like two or three. We were much less in control. And then the same thing for risk. We weren't, it was pretty risky. It was going to significantly impact a few customers, and it's definitely risky. Um, so again, lower scores there. And by the average, you'd think, oh, when? Well, this idea is great, but if there's another that is better, then we should do that. And the the fun part about this is that, well, we technically already were. We'd already prioritized all the other ideas, and this one was the next one on the list to tackle. And so my approach to it was, well, if we can reduce the risk, and if we can comfortable or confident in our level of control, then this is a very worthy project regardless because it, it has a high impact. And that is exactly what a framework that helps you prioritize at least helps you do. It helps you have those conversations. So after talking about it with the client, we decided that the best approach would be to, to, to phase out the approach to get feedback first before we just launched it. And the feedback was positive. And that made us increase the control score a little bit and also the risk score a little bit. It suddenly became much less risky and we actually had more control than we thought. It was great. One of the other prioritization frameworks, and this is one that you can tack on to any of these ideas. It could also be one that you'd use independently and it's just time to revenue. How quickly can you expect to see revenue from any of the projects that you have on the list? And this is again, that short-term versus long-term mindset that I mentioned earlier in this episode, some of these projects and ideas that you might have, some of them are very much the short-term and others might be over time, over a long period of time, more than six months, which in SaaS or startup world feels like a very long time. But sometimes our projects or ideas, sometimes they do have a revenue path and that time to revenue is something to keep in mind, especially if it is something that is incredibly worthwhile and can complete the short-term versus long-term requirement. So again, you can actually add this as a column to any of these frameworks. You can also just use this independently. Either one works, but that could also help really give you a sense of, based off of the projects that we have, the things that we're thinking about our ideas, some of these are going to take a lot longer. Others are going to be, hopefully, a lot shorter. We'll be able to learn from them much faster. The next framework to use, or prioritization framework, if you will, actually has a lot more to do with the funnel itself. This one is much more relevant to early stage SaaS businesses and their founders. Something that comes up often in any kind of growth planning for an early stage company or a company that does not have a marketing team 
is what do we do first? What do we execute first? And when it comes to marketing and growth, usually we reverse engineer funnel-wise what growth should look like. There's a common misconception that you have to go from top of the funnel activity, so you generate awareness first, never thinking about the website performance or how your free trial conversion rates are, or even your retention. There's a lot of there's a lot of a, a assumption that you start top of the funnel, meaning you generate traffic first, and then once you get the traffic, then you figure out how to convert it, and then once you convert it, then you figure out how to optimize your free trial conversion rate or your demo conversion rate. And then you, you know, and so on and so forth. You go from top of the funnel to middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. To me, what I find is much more successful for early stage founders is to actually reverse this process and to start with making the bottom of the funnel as seamless as it possibly can be. And then moving up to middle of the funnel and then top of the funnel. And the reason for that is because it's much more expensive, much more expensive to drive a lot of traffic to a website that doesn't convert and then to therefore also not actually convert free trial users. So if you have a very weak onboarding funnel, if you have a very low converting website, it makes much more sense to invest time and activity into those entities first and then to focus on driving a bunch of traffic. That's not to say that you don't drive any traffic, that you don't drive any top of the funnel activity. It's just much more weighted towards the more middle and bottom of the funnel first. And that's just purely because if you don't have a strong middle and bottom of the funnel presence or baseline or foundation, then it's gonna get really challenging to drive traffic and convert them and do that efficiently. The analogy or the metaphor that I give is, it, I guess it's really more of an analogy, but it's kind of like burning cash in the front yard. We're just going to set this money on fire. <laughs> just picture that. And that is what driving top of the funnel activity before you ever have a strong middle or bottom of the funnel really looks like. And don't get me wrong, sometimes you have to experience that in order to really know. And in fact, it's kind of one of those chicken and the egg scenarios where how can you really know if you don't get any traffic? And I agree with that to some extent, but it's certainly not the only focus. I will say that. So when it comes to prioritizing growth activities or ideas, if we know that we don't have a strong middle of the funnel or bottom of the funnel, or if we don't know what we don't know, then really our activities and projects become around understanding that better. And then also what are the projects and activities that do strengthen that, whether that's copywriting new pages, updating the messaging, creating a much better onboarding flow, creating activation emails. There's it, it, The list goes on in terms of what you can do that's middle and bottom of the funnel. And then finally, some other ideas might be to do some top of the funnel activity, but maybe more of the activities are bottom and middle of the funnel. This scenario is much more specific to early stage founders, but really any stage business can use bottom of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and top of the funnel in terms of how to prioritize activity. So for example, if you actually have the reverse challenge, you really struggle with top of the funnel awareness, you actually have a pretty well-performing funnel so far, meaning your website converts really well, you actually do convert your free trial or your demo prospects and users who come into the product and you also convert those into customers and they retain, then that tells us, oh, well, let's focus on top of the funnel activity. 
So what part of the funnel would you say is weakest in the business? You can use your growth activities and ideas and apply them to different parts of the funnel based off of where it's weakest at. And then sometimes you might find that you really don't have, uh, you've got a ton of ideas when it comes to middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel, and all of your projects and activities are in those two places. And then it really just becomes a question of what do you have time for? What's realistic? And then you just take it from there. Because sometimes the answer just is, well, you do all of these things. And the ones that you do first is really just what you have the bandwidth for. Sometimes that's totally an acceptable answer. It's usually an acceptable answer, actually. (laughs) If you don't have the resources, then, you know, obviously you can't, you, you kind of have to abide by the law of scope, time, and budget, right? I would say cut yourself some slack if you find that you have this big, long list of middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel things, and the only person to do it is you. Definitely some grace here. <laughs> All right, the last thing I'm going to leave you with, and then, we'll, and then we'll close it out for today, would be to actually build your own. Building your own growth prioritization framework. It is so much fun. And the more that you use prioritization frameworks, the more that you start picking up on things that you like, things that you don't like, and things that are parts of the framework that help and enable you to guide the team, execute the work, prioritize the projects, and then frameworks that don't necessarily. Like there's something that's missing about them. Maybe there's a particular part of a framework that doesn't really help you make a decision about something else kind of correlated to it this is where i would say definitely build your own especially after trying a few and you get a sense for how each of them work i use any of these at any given time during my projects with my clients but sometimes we do end up creating our own just based out of sheer necessity so i would say take your time with these they are absolutely designed to be flexible at the same exact time designed to kind of hold you to some truth (laughs) and some realism about what makes sense for you to handle, for the team to handle, resources, skills, capabilities. And then, of course, the reality of just the business situation. You might have to focus on short-term goals. Maybe you do have runway to focus on long-term goals. It just depends on, on wherever it is that you're at, which is, of course, honored and special and respected. So honor wherever it is that you're at. But then also, prioritization frameworks can kind of help you get out of your comfort zone, encourage you to do some different things. Okay, great. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was helpful. It's definitely something that has been on the list to chat about for a while. I'll probably write a much longer form article about this because it is a question that comes up all the time about what do I focus on first and why and what are the implications of that? I would say if you're an early stage founder, again, it's going to be much more about, you'll, you'll probably have a lot less dependencies in the business, meaning it's possible to focus on bottom of the funnel and middle of the funnel synonymously and it not be too painful to, to prioritize one versus the other. And then the larger that the business is, you might have a lot more dependencies where you've got a lot more moving parts and a lot more implications and contingencies and things do have to move together in a certain lockstep. I hope that these were helpful and I hope that it inspired you to prioritize your ideas and bring a little bit of sanity to some of the chaos. In the meantime, I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. 
As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. To learn more about how to reach your growth goals for your SaaS business, head on over to demandmaven.io. You'll find all kinds of free resources, articles, and content. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll see you on the next one.